Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. I'm glad that you're here on this first Wednesday, um, first Wednesday of May, I believe it is. And uh, tonight, I'm telling you, you are going to be so glad that you're here. We also want to welcome those of you that are joining us on a screen somewhere. We're so glad that you're part of this service as well. Lean in. God's going to speak to you. God's going to move in your life. We look forward to you being in person because it's even better in person. And the in-person people said amen. All right, good. Y'all are getting the hang of that. Uh, tonight, it's my privilege to introduce our guest speaker. Um, we have an incredible couple all the way from Lansing, Michigan. Peter and Joanna Reeves are the uh, next-gen pastors at Mount Hope Church in Lansing, Michigan. I've been knowing this couple for uh, a couple years now, and uh, I'm telling you, Jesus is all over them. God is opening up doors all over this nation for them to be used in a powerful way and we are so blessed to have them. So Faith Assembly, can we give Peter Reeves a Faith Assembly welcome as he comes to bring the Word of God. Come on, let's welcome him tonight. Come on, Faith Assembly. Come on, does anybody love Jesus in this place? Come on, has he been good to you? Has he been faithful to you? Amen and amen. You are in the right place today. What a wonderful place to be. You can have a seat in this house. I'm so grateful. What an honor and a privilege it is to be here today on a Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. I'll tell you this. There is no place in the world. There is no place in this nation like Faith Assembly. And if you agree, clap your hands today. I'm trying to tell you. Because if there is, I have not been there. I've been everywhere, and I have not seen it yet. God is doing something special in this house. And I, I don't just think it's the house. I, I believe you have a special pastor. The, the hand of God is upon your pastor. He is an anointed man, a man full of faith and vision and honor. Most importantly, he's anointed. And so it would be crazy for me to go and say anything without allowing us all to stand and to clap for your pastor, Pastor Johnny Wilson. Come on, would you clap? We love you, Pastor Johnny. We're so thankful for your life, for your faithfulness, for the legacy you left and are leaving and our building. Come on, clap again, people. We love you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Johnny. You may be seated. I'll tell you what, me and Pastor Johnny, he, he probably doesn't remember this, but the first time I came up to him, I just started asking questions. I didn't even tell, my, tell him my name, introduce myself. He was probably like, who is this fake Kevin Hart, you know? Uh, but, but that's what you do when you're around greatness. You just start asking questions, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, man, I'm so grateful to be here. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Peter Reeves. Uh, like Pastor Johnny said, I'm from Lansing, Michigan. And obviously, uh, people in Michigan are not praying because it's still cold there. And uh, I, I got here to Orlando, and I was like, these people are praying. They are praying. I was at the pool today and got one shade darker. My iPhone won't even pick up my face. And I tell you what. 
I'm glad to be here though. Um, I, just a couple things about me before I jump into this message today that I believe the Lord has sent me for. Um, I have one wife. Okay, you got to specify. It's 2022. I have one wife. And um, man, I'll tell you this story, you know. Really, it starts with, oh, they already put the picture up. Okay. Uh, I, I'll tell you what happened though. Uh, when I was 15 years old, well, this is what happened. When I was 15, uh, you know, I, 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 since I was 15, I never held a girl's hand before. Okay. And here's why. is because uh, I went to my mom one time and I said, mom, I want to know where babies come from. And she said, son, she said, why do you want to know that? My mom is African. She said, why do you want to know that? I said, I want to know or else I'm going to Google it. She was like, don't do that. I will tell you right now. And though my mom is a woman of God, she like, to me she told me babies come from holding other people's hands and I said mom you have no idea how close I've come you have no idea how close I've come and so one time I was in church my mom was on this side my pastor's mom was on this side my pastor was a man of God yeah a man of God he said grab the hand of your neighbor we're going to begin to pray for your neighbor I grabbed my mom's hand and my pastor's mom stuck out her hand and I said "Mm -mm." I am not ready to be his father you know what I mean so I just I went forward, though, when I was 15 years old, I met this girl named Joanna Brock, and I stood right next to her in small group, and when they said, grab the hand of your neighbor, I said, thank you, God, you know? And so, you can just put the picture back up. That is my wonderful wife, Joanna. She's right here in the front row, coming off so grateful for her. And church, she likes her coffee with no cream, if you know what I mean. She likes some dark, okay? It's good for your heart, church. It's good for your heart. And, uh, man, I'm so thankful for her. And that little baby in the middle, uh, that is Charlie Grace Reeves, our first daughter. We struggled with infertility for three years. But that, that right there is what heaven thinks about Earth's diagnosis. Amen? And so that's our little baby, Charlie Grace. And now God is good. We're getting double for our trouble. And uh, we're about to have a son. His name is going to be Macklin Nathaniel Reeves. Mac means the greatest. Nathaniel means gift from God, the greatest gift from God, Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful, so grateful for what God is doing. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to contribute to the light-skinned community. And uh, he, he's going to be a light-skinned man with the name Mac. He better do well. Praise God. Man, I'm so grateful to be here today. And uh, Faith is him. I just got to let you know, last thing about me today is I'm a preacher, okay? I- I'm not a communicator. Uh, I am a preacher. I come from an African Pentecostal home, okay? Like, like I... Emphasis on the African. I remember sitting on the couch watching Lion King with my mom, her just shedding tears of joy, crying out to the Lord. I was like, I don't think you're supposed to worship doing the Lion King. You know what I mean? Especially when they were like, yeah, CMY. My mom was like, thank you, God. Let it go. You know, so. Um, but emphasis on the Pentecostal, too, because I remember bringing friends home from school. And I remember one time specifically, I walked in the doors and I came home and I heard somebody screaming in prayer. I said, guys, let me check out the situation. I'll be right back. I walked inside, and my mom was just praying over our vacuum in the name of Jesus. I come against everything that, I was like, mom. I walked in, I said, what in the Black Panther is happening in this room? She said, son, she said, I had no idea that when I bought this vacuum, it was a dead devil, and there will be no devils allowed. I was like, wow, this is aggressive. You are aggressive. And so, uh, that's the kind of home I grew up in. So I'll just tell you straight up today, if I'm preaching and I don't feel like you're with me, church, I will turn it on. It's my black preacher voice, okay? Because uh, while kids, other kids got to watch cartoons and stuff like that, your boy was watching T.D. Jakes. So if I'm, if I'm preaching today and I feel like you're not with me, I might hit you. Like I could just be talking to you normal. And if I feel like you're not with me, I might hit you with the, sometimes I, the Bible says that, you know, and then, I, then we start taking up more offerings. It gets weird in this place, you know what I'm saying? 
So I'm just, I'm excited to be here tonight. I'm thankful. And I want to I wanna encourage you today. Uh, coming with a new word. I've never preached this anywhere before, but I believe specifically for this house and for this church, this is what God has prepared today. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 20 and 21. I only wanted to preach two verses today, so I only preached for three and a half hours and not six. Man, oh, y'all think I'm playing. Praise God. Praise God. It says, God can do anything. God can do anything. Let me just pause there for one moment. I know I just read one line, but this is going to be long, okay? Um, God can do anything. You only say that to someone who doesn't know about God or someone who has forgotten what God can do. Now, we know this is uh, the book of Ephesians is written to the church in Ephesus. So we know that the apostle Paul is writing to Christians. So he's writing to people who believed in Jesus but, got, but forgot about how limitless their God was. He, they forgot about how big and how vast. There's no limitations. He can do anything because you can serve Jesus and still forget how awesome he is. You can forget that he's the alpha and the omega. You can forget that he's the beginning and the end. You can forget how wonderful and how good he's been to you. You can forget. So Paul writes, God can do anything. He said, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Can I tell you today that even your wildest dreams are not better than the will of God for your life? He says he does not do it by pushing us around because your God is not a bully. He's not a dictator. But by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all through the generations. Glory through, the, through all millennia. Oh, yes. And you see how he ends talking about glory. You're like, wait a minute. I thought he was talking about dreams. You see, friends, there is a direct correlation between glory and dreams. Because anyone who will dream dream in the presence of God will see the glory of God fall upon their life. Any person willing to dream in the presence of God will see the glory of God fall upon their life. I want to preach from the thought today far more. Far more today. A few years ago, my mom ran into my second grade teacher and uh, my second grade teacher saw my mom and they begin to have conversation and um, it was so good, and finally they got onto the topic of me, and my, my teacher asked my mom, she said, what is, what is Peter doing now? She said, Peter's a, a pastor, and he's a preacher, he's traveling around the nation speaking. She said, pastor, I thought he would be in prison, which I think is a pretty hard judgment to make on a second grader, but God bless her anyway. Um, but then my mom said this phrase, she said, yes, God did far more than we could ever imagine in his life. God did far more than we could ever think of in our boy. And I want to preach from that thought today far more. Because here's what I was praying. As I was praying and preparing, I felt like the Lord said, encourage my people to live with great expectation. Encourage my people to dream again. Encourage my church to wander in me again today. And Faith Assembly, I came all the way from Lansing, Michigan to tell you today, I believe God wants to do far more, far more in your marriage, far more in your kids, far more in your finances, far more in your health, far more in your workplace, far more in your faith today. I'm believing he wants to do far more because here's what the scriptures teach us, that the eyes of the Lord roam to and from the earth looking for someone to show himself great through. 
Well, who will he show himself great to, we ask? Those who have faith and those who live with great expectations. Oh, the scriptures are so clear. I guess when I was writing this sermon, I was asking to myself, like, where are the Christians that still believe God can do anything? Where are the Christians that would say, no, 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 I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Where are the Christians that say, no, 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 I've seen the Lord provide. I've seen him do more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. Where are those Type of Christians, and I guess I'm preaching with such emphasis on this today because I have a conversation I had just a few weeks ago with a young man in my ministry. I got done speaking and I went right over to him and I said, Son, I said, I want to pray for you. I said, What are you believing for? What are you asking God for? And he said, Pastor Peter, I'll be honest with you, I'm not believing for anything and I'm not asking for anything. I said, Why? He said, Because God doesn't answer prayer and He doesn't care about the details of our life. Wow. What a bold statement from a young man. I'm like, you don't even have three chest tears. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, but he said that. And it, it triggered something on the inside of me. And I realized really quickly that the enemy is trying to remove Christians away from far more belief. You see, because far more is the fuel that led the generation that we're still chasing after. Those ancient prophets and fathers in the scriptures. See, far more led them to believe that the ocean would open up. Far more led them to believe that God could open blind eyes. Far more got them to pray, God keep the sun stand still. Far more got them to trust the God that he could still heal people. And most importantly, that he could raise the dead you see far more faith is what God is calling us to ah it's not something just to read about today far more faith is what the Lord has called us to and this is why Paul wrote this scripture today Ephesians chapter 3 this is why he wrote it because Christians in Ephesus were living without great expectation they were living for God but living without expectation and I would say that's not living for him at all they were living for God, but living their life. The, the reality of life had killed their wonder. The reality of life had killed their faith. And Paul is writing to stir up their faith because he knows on the other side of great faith and dreams and holy imagination is the glory of God. Now, we don't talk about imagination in the church a lot because I feel like we think it's weird, but I want to share with you a quote from a, a revivalist and a philosopher, a Christian revivalist and philosopher named uh, G.K. Chesterton. He said, the trumpet of imagination is like the trumpet of the resurrection. It calls the dead out of their graves. Oh, where are the people who will dream again? Faith Assembly, I submit to you today that the only thing we probably need to see a great move of God in our time right now, in addition to all what we're all doing, is those who will dare to imagine in the presence of God again. Those who won't just see how things are, but see them as they should be. Those who will allow their eyes in the middle of chaos to stare into the eyes of the Lord and watch him transform the world around us. I believe we're stepping into the days where it's not just about what I hear, it's about what God's trying trying to do through me and in me would you dream again not just for your own life but for the world around you holy imagination is what's going to usher in the glory of God I think this is why I love kids ministry that's why I love kids ministry. Uh, yeah, just last week, Joe, I remember we got to go into the kids' church. And uh, I love kids' ministry because have you ever asked a kid what God spoke to them after church? Unbelievable. Susie, what did God speak to you after church? He told me I'm going to the moon. What? What did he say? Right? Me and Joanna walked to the kids' church the other day, and a girl came up to us. We didn't even ask her a question, nothing. She just came up, booger dripping all down. She said, I control the weather. I said, what? I said, so you're the reason it's disgusting outside. You're the reason it keeps snowing in May. In I didn't do that. Come on, y'all. 
I love it. I love that kids just live with such wonder and they're not afraid of what people think. And then I read Matthew chapter 18 verse 3 and then it says this. It says, truly Jesus said, I tell you, unless you, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what is he actually saying? Is he saying that I need to be immature and be unaware of what reality is like and what's really happening around me? No, no, I think what he's saying is you've got to be okay with being misunderstood. I think what he's saying is that not everybody's going to be able to understand or interpret the vision that God has given you. I think what he's actually saying is you've got to be okay with some people laughing at you today. Oh, can I suggest today that the reason God is not giving us dreams that will transform the earth is because his people care too much what the people around them think rather than what he thinks. Their people are so consumed with culture, they can't get their eyes on the Christ. And so we say this phrase, God's not doing anything. To which I would say, God always does things in the earth with human partnership. He's always ready to work. He's always ready to do. He's always ready to create. As a matter of fact, the first thing we learn about God is that he is a creator. He is a creative in nature. And if you know anything about the creative, even when no one's seeing their work, they're continuing to create. This is why Picasso, they found thousands of pieces after he died. He was continuing to create, though he wasn't showing it to the public. Our God is a creator. So if God, if nothing is happening in your life, it's not because he's not creating. Maybe it's because you're not seeing. Oh, man. Man, can, can I read to you today just a few accounts of people who saw far more? Because everybody can't see far more. You know what I mean? Like, I want to read to you a couple of accounts. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 2 says, heavenly, this is what Isaiah said. He said, heavenly creatures stood above him. Each creature had six wings. What are you talking about? They used two wings to cover their face. They used two wings to cover their feet. And they used two wings for flying. Isaiah, you need to stop watching sci-fi movies. I'm trying to tell you. I told you at 9 o'clock, turn the lights off, his mom was probably saying, or his wife. Turn the lights off and go to bed. What you talking about, six creatures with six wings and all that? Stop it, right? No more sci-fi movies. Or Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 10. As for their faces, each of them, this is Ezekiel now. He said, as for their faces, each of them had a face of a man. All four had the face of a lion on the right and the face of a bull on the left. And all four faces had the face, and all four of them had the face of an eagle. I'm like, Ezekiel, stop eating Taco Bell before bed. <laughs> Come on, you, the Mexican pizza, you had too much fire sauce, and that is not God's will for your life. I don't know. Or Ezekiel, again, he's getting a double dose here. Chapter 10, verse 12. Their entire bodies, including their backs, their hands, and their wings, were completely full of eyes, as were their four wheels. I thought they were human. What do you mean they got wheels? Can I just say today, what am I saying? I'm saying God is calling us to see far more, and some of the things that he's going to speak to us cannot be led with common ears, cannot be understood with a cold heart. That's why the scriptures say God's trying to take your heart of steel and give you a heart of flesh. He's trying to help you to see things. Oh, I love it when Jesus says to people, he who has an ear, let him hear. You're like, Jesus, everyone has ears. What are you talking about? Jesus is saying, I'm not trying to get you to, just because you have two appendages on the side of your face does not mean you can hear. I'm looking for those who will turn their hearts in the right direction and see what I'm trying to show them. He who has an ear, let him hear. So I want to just give you a few thoughts tonight. A few thoughts tonight to help you see far more. To help you enter into your holy imagination to get you to dream again, to get you to dream again. Point number one today is this, is my imagination isn't intimidating to God. My imagination, the things I see, 
the things I'm dreaming about, the things I would like God to do, the things I'm hoping God will shift in my life. My imagination isn't intimidating to God. Your imagination is the image of what you put together. And, and this is what God did from the very beginning. He created us in his image. So this one, this God who creates, this God who forms, he is not frustrated. He is not intimidated with your imagination. Paul says it like this in the scripture. He said, God can do more than you ask, think, or imagine. Oh, I wish somebody told me that when I was young. Because I was taught you got to be responsible and reasonable with God. God's not going to understand what you're talking about. God doesn't, don't bring all those emotions into the room. God doesn't want that. But can I tell you today, this God who says he stores every one of our tears in a bottle, he cares about our emotions. This God who the Bible says he knows everything about me. He even knows the number of hairs on my head. Even y'all that got fake hair up there, he knows about them hairs too. That God, can I tell you, the one who created me and formed me in my mother's womb, he's not intimidated with my imagination oh the scriptures tell us a beautiful story of a man in the bible in genesis chapter 37 named joseph and joseph is a dreamer joseph sees an entire nation saved under the rule of his life because he's a dreamer because he's not just looking at the world around him and calling things as they are he's looking at the world around him and saying them as he sees them Friends, it takes no faith to declare what's in front of you, but everything to declare what God says about the situation. And here's Joseph. Joseph is a man of God. And I know he, he's a dreamer because the scripture tells us about this. Joseph has a dream. And in his dream, he, Joseph is not afraid of what people think about him. He's not afraid to speak up what he saw. He said, in my dream, the sun, the moon, and the stars were bowing down to me. Now, if you know the rest of the story, you know his family. That's probably not a good thing to tell your family. His brothers were like, what? What are you talking about? Your feet stink. You don't even wear deodorant. Get out of here. But Joseph spoke it because he saw it. And some of us, it's not that God's not speaking to it. It's that we won't speak what he's shown us. And if we don't speak it, then we don't have to do it. And if we don't have to do it, that means people around us will die and they'll go to hell and we'll hold our hands up. Like, God, I wasn't a part of that. I didn't understand that. But he's like, I spoke it to you. See, a lot of times we talk about stewarding money, which we should, but how about stewarding those dreams? How about stewarding those prophetic words? How about stewarding what God spoke to you? Oh, this is why I believe we have an epidemic. Though we're coming out of a pandemic, we're still in an epidemic of people not reading their Bibles. Because if you read the word, the word, you got either you're going to conform to it or you're going to deny it. And if you conform to it, then you've got to do it. And the Bible makes it very clear. That all of us will be responsible for these words we've received from the Lord. These words that God has spoken to us, that he's trust, entrusted to us. And we have to steward even those words well. That's why every time Pastor Johnny steps up here to preach, you should take notes. Amen. Oh, people don't like that. But here's what I've seen in church, right? Pastor will get up and preach a phenomenal word that touches hearts. Two weeks later, you'll go through that same exact thing and then be like, God, why is God not speaking to me? And God will be like, I spoke to you two weeks ago. Oh, come on. I'm on a different track today. Amen. But, but, but Joseph said, I, I see all these things that don't look natural, that people won't understand. And in my dream, they're bowing down to me. Can I tell you right now, there's some things that God has set aside that are going to bow down to you. 
You say, why are they bowing down to me? Because Jesus is supposed to be living on the inside of you. See, they're not bowing down to you. They're bowing down to the God on the inside of you. Can I tell you, faith assembly, sickness in this season is going to bow down to you. Poverty mentality is going to bow down to you. Walking with family disregard is going to bow down to you. Oh, can I tell you, the Lord is bringing a wholeness, a transformation, a life of vigor to the parts of your life that you purposely bowed down to in the past. They're going to bow down to you because this is what he does. Joseph was a dreamer. Can I tell you what, what it looks like to be the kind of person that thinks your imagination is intimidating to God? There's a story in 2 Kings chapter, uh, chapter 4, I believe. It's this woman, uh, and she has two sons. She's a widow. Her husband just died, and she just found out that her husband owed some money to some men. And now they're coming to collect her children as a debt for the money that her husband owed them. And, and the scripture says that she goes to the prophet Elisha. 2 Kings chapter 4, yeah. Goes to Elisha, and she, she asks for his help, and he says, I'm not sure what I can do. What do you have in your house? And she says, I have nothing. Oh, I have a little bit of oil. Well, do you have nothing, or do you have a little bit of oil? Because even your little bit, God can do a lot with. So she says, I have a little bit of oil, and Elisha said, awesome. Go, get, go up and down your neighborhood. Go in and out of the streets and make sure that you collect bowls and jugs and whatever. And when you come back, begin to pour oil in those jugs until they're absolutely full. And then continue to do it over and over again. And as long as there's an empty jug, you can pour and it'll be full. So what happens? She sends her boys out. They collect as many jugs as they, they could. They collect as many jug, jugs as they could, or I, I don't know what the story is, but anyway, they grab these jugs and they begin to pour and pour and pour until she asks for another jar, and they say, no, no, there's no more. That's it, and the oil runs out. You see, the oil only runs out when there's no more empty jars, church. And, and so what happens is I see this woman, and it, the story goes on that Elisha comes to her and says, listen, the oil's run out now. Go and sell this oil and go and pay your debtors. And God did a miracle in her life. He says, go pay your debtors, and then you and your sons can live on the rest of it and figure it out. You got out of this situation. But here's what I see. See, a lot of people stop when that story ends there. But what I see in the story is that this woman could have gone throughout her entire city, her entire, she could have gotten everyone enlisted and gathered enough oil to, to not just last her for a moment or to pay a debt, but enough oil to feed her entire generation. She could have stored up enough oil to change her family destiny, but she only had a dream to get out of debt. She didn't have a dream for generational wealth. She didn't have a dream for generational wholeness. She didn't have a dream for generational healing. She only saw what was there. Our dreams got to be bigger. Oh, come on. How many of you know if you knew that that oil was going to keep flowing, you would have stayed up that night? You would have stored. You would have enlisted people you didn't talk to in years. I know we got in a fight, but we about to get rich. Praise God. Right? But here it is. As we, we approach God with, I, I think this is what you want to do when he wants to do so much more, uh, far more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Your imagination isn't intimidating to God. But can I say this like this? It's not just imagination anywhere you want. It's imagination in the presence of God. It's imagination at an altar. That's why every time these altars are open, you should flood because it's a possibility that God could give you exactly what you need for what you don't even know is coming. Uh, point number two today, God wants me to know he can do more than my dream, so I must dream. God wants me to, do, God wants me to know he can do more than my dream, so I must dream. Paul says it like this. He says, in your wildest 
dreams. Can I tell you, church, God loves it when you dream. This reminds me of a story of a friend I had back in high school. He came from a family that didn't have a lot of money. And, uh, you know, his parents said, you know, where do you want to go on your high school uh, trip? We're going to pay for you to go anywhere you want to go. What do you want to do? And he asked, and they said, what, do you, what kind of vacation do you want? We were going to save up for it. And uh, they, they went ahead and he said, I want to just go to a, a nice hotel with a nice pool. And so that's what they did. They went to a nice hotel for a ni- with a nice pool after he graduated. Well, the following year, his sister graduated, and she said, I want to go to the Cayman Islands. And so their parents saved up enough money, did what they had to do, and they took her on that trip. And when they came back from the trip, he was upset. He said, Mom, Dad, you took her to the Cayman Islands. You took me to the Holiday Inn. What, what is going on in this family? And his dad said to him, Son, I told you, where do you want to go? Anywhere you want to go, we will figure out a way to get it done. You gave us an answer based on what you thought we had. She gave us an answer on what was on the inside of her. Can I say today, so many Christians are praying prayers with what they see. Oh, I see this situation looks like that. I see it looks like that. Would you stop praying according to your situation and start praying according to the sun? Man. Oh, would you pray prayers? that are beyond your imagination and your wildest dreams. Get your MLK on, dream. So I got this mustache. I tell my wife, this is my MLK mustache. She said, you look ugly. I said, I have a dream. God, God wants me to know he can do more than I dream, so I must dream. Maybe this is why Jesus, before he healed people, always asked them, what do you want me to do for you? Right, like a blind guy, he hears that Jesus is in front of him, and Jesus is like, what do you want me to do? What do you mean? <laughs> Excuse me? Right, man with the withered hand comes in front of Jesus. He's like, Jesus is like, hey, how you doing? How can I help you? What? You don't see me? But Jesus has to get them to vocalize what they need. Because if you can't dream for your life, Listen, God loves to partner with us. If you won't dream it, he won't do it. This is why prayer is the the language of heaven because it's in prayer that I can come to God and confess all my sin and learn about his character and his nature, but then also tell him what I'm dreaming about. And so people would approach Jesus and he would make them, he would allow them to confess what they need so he could partner with them. But you know what's so funny? is most of the believers that I know that are walking with God, that love Jesus, are so angry that God is not answering prayers. They won't pray. He's inviting you into far more. He's not just trying to create a good situation for your kids. He wants them to be full of the Holy Ghost. He wants them to be anointed. He wants them to be the head and not the tail. He wants them to walk with fire. He wants to do a miracle in their life. Oh, he's not just interested in giving you a good job. He's interested in giving you influence. He's trying to deposit something into your world. He's trying to take you where you've never been. Oh. He's not just trying to do what you can see. Far more. Someone say far more. Far more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Far more. I think, too, this is why God made Abraham. You know the story of Abraham. Read the book of Genesis. It's beautiful. Maybe this is why, you know, if you know anything about Abraham, 
He's the father of many nations. He's the father, he's in the hall of faith as the father figure. Actually, I wasn't going to do this, but let me go ahead and do it since I got 10 minutes, praise God. Is Abraham's dreams trans allowed him to inherit what he could never create on his own? Let me explain. To, to understand the story of Abraham, I got to tell you the story of Noah. Okay? Noah had three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. That's how I know you love your kids. None of your kids are named that, praise God. If your kid's name is Ham, I apologize. I love you. I'm sorry. <laughs> he had three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. But what happens is Ham, one day Noah, he has too many Capri sons, and he's drunk in a tent, and he falls asleep. And the Bible says that he falls asleep and he's naked. And his son Ham comes into the tent and sees his father's nakedness, which was an absolute sin in that day. It was a sign of perversion. And so the other two sons hear about what their brother had did, and they come in and they clothe their father, right? And when their father wakes up, they tell their dad what their brother had done. And so Noah wakes up and he says, cursed be Canaan, right? Who is Canaan? Canaan is Ham's son. So Noah wakes up, sees his son and says, cursed be my grandson. Because what one generation fails to do, the other generation will experience the brutality of it. Oh, maybe why our kids can't see what God wants them to do. Maybe the reason their eyes are so perverted and their hearts are so perverted is because some of us failed to dream and now they're experiencing the waywardness of those who didn't dream in the presence of God. It's just the thought today. But Ham makes a mistake and it causes his son his legacy. And so 400 years forward, well, let me stop here and say it like this. When Noah cursed Canaan, it means that everywhere Canaan would go, that land was going to be cursed. Okay, let me just say it like this. He went to Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is no more God's chicken, okay? It's cursed chicken. He, he went to Wendy's. You know, no more smiles at Wendy's. No more Baconator. This is a Devilnator, okay? It's cursed, okay? He went to Taco Bell, right? Fire sauce everywhere. No tacos, no whatever. I don't know. I realize. Anyway, okay, so... Everywhere he goes is cursed, people. You understand? 400 years forward comes a man, and his name is not Abraham, it's Abram. And Abram has a covenant with God. Abram is a dreamer. Abram allows the Lord to speak to him. And one day the Lord shows him, takes him out into the sky or in, into a field and tells him to look up, and he sees all the stars in the sky. And God says, look up and see Look up and see, allows him to dream. He said, I'm going to give you more descendants than the stars you can count. Then he takes him to a beach and says, look at these grains of sand. I'm going to give you more descendants than this sand. And Abraham believes the dream that God called him to. So watch this. God then takes him into a land, a land called Canaan. His name at the time is Abram. And God says to him, now your name will be Abraham. And because he inherited what Ham forfeited 400 years ago when he looked at his father weird in a tent. Can I tell you, those who will dream will inherit what other people couldn't inherit. Those who will dream will see what other people can't see. Those who will dream will experience God like others haven't experienced God. They will today. Maybe this is why God had him look up and down. <sighs> point number three today, and this is my final point is that God wants to work in me more than he wants me to work for him. What I see today is I see so many exhausted Christians, they have no time to give into their imagination. 
their holy imagination. Paul says it like this. He doesn't push us around. He works within us. Do you know today that the Bible is one collective story about how desperately God is trying to work in you? Let me prove it to you. In Genesis, he comes and there's this guy named Adam, the first man in the Bible. And the Bible tells us that God walks with Adam. Adam and God are walking everywhere. But God says that's not close enough. So fast forward to the New Testament. He sends Jesus and Jesus isn't just walking amongst them. Jesus is living amongst them. Okay, he's living amongst them. But God said, no, 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 that's not close enough. Then he sends his spirit in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just walk with us. The Holy Spirit doesn't just live amongst us. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. That's how close he wants to get to you. The whole story is this story about how God is trying to work within us, church. Oh, Jude chapter 1 verse 3. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, dear friends, I wanted to write to you about God's saving power at work in your lives. Jude says, if I'm going to talk to you, I want to talk to you about the power of God in your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 says, may God himself, the God who makes everything holy, make you holy and put together. It's about him working on the inside of you. It's about him creating in you. It's about him showing. Because I'll tell you this, the best solution to see revival on the earth is revival in the people of God individually. Look, I'm excited and I'm fired up that there's so many people who came here on a Wednesday night and were worshiping. I want to know if you're going to worship on Thursday. I want to know if you're going to anoint your house with oil. I want to know if you're going to cry out until you see the kingdom of God move. Man, will you allow yourself to be resilient in this place called prayer? Because he, he wants to get in here. All oh, the Pharisees, the Bible speaks about them. They were people who had the essence of God without the heart of God. And when it's all about what I can do for God or what God can do for me, and I don't allow him to work internally in me, I miss out on the beauty of walking with Jesus. This is why when we pray for salvation for the first time, we invite Jesus into our hearts. But a lot of people invited Jesus into their hearts, and then the next day let him out and just started doing stuff. Just started making things happen. But this isn't about what I can do for him, this is about him working in me. You see, far more allows me to focus my attention on what God is doing in me because a lot of times God will transform the world in me before he transforms the world around me. Okay, I'll give you one more point. I can, I can come up with one right here. Come on. Last one today. God's not in a rush with me. We hate that, right? Because we like everything fast. Today, me and Joanna came to the airport. We went to the budget car line and we got the fast break. We were going to stand in line. We're like, mm, we are fast pass members, okay? Right? We love to do everything quickly, right? When, when a text doesn't send, you're like, why is this text not sending, right? We love everything quickly. But, but, but Paul says it like this, deeply and gently is how God works in us. Deeply and gently is how the Holy Spirit works in us. God is not in a rush today. Jesus walked 50 miles out of the way to talk to one woman at one well. 618 different prophecies about him, and he had time to stop and talk to trees. Look at this tree. Jesus, we got things to do. We are on a schedule. You are 344 prophecies behind. He had time to stop and talk to trees. God is not in a rush. What was supposed to take the Israelites 40 days took them 40 years. God was like, y'all want to act stupid? Cool, go ahead. I'll wait. But the scriptures say this about our God, that a thousand days is like a year and a year, but a th or a thousand years, but a day and a day, but a thousand years. 
It's, it's simple. With him, there is no measurement with time. And what I see is us rushing ourselves. I got to get to this. I got to get to this. I got to get to this. I got to get to this place in my faith. No, no, no. Maybe it's just okay to stay here and serve for a little bit. Who told you you had to do that? Who told you you had to get there? What other voice have you been listening to other than the voice of God? This is the first question mankind struggled with. Adam and Eve came to God. They said, the serpent told us, or he said to them, they said, we're naked. He said, who told you you were naked? What other voices have you been listening to? But the voice of culture has spoken to us and said we're not good enough. We're not moving fast enough. We're not getting there quick enough. And I'm telling you today, you are exactly where God called you to be. You are doing what he called you to do. You are in your perfect position, in the perfect place. And at just the right time, he's going to pour out his spirit on you. He's going to fill you with new life. And the days ahead of you are going to be filled with wonder and breakthrough and glory. Pastor Peter, is this the prosperity gospel? Yes, for your soul, not your pockets. Oh yeah, but I believe it today that you are called to prosper and prosper again. The Bible says you are the head and not the tail. The Bible says he owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. Stop being poor in spirit. Wake up because your God is calling you to far more. Man. I feel this thing today. He's not in a rush with you. Abraham. Spent 960 hours in the presence of God before he heard the Lord's voice once. Two sets of 40 days on a mountain. Two days. Two sets of 40 days on a mountain. 960 hours. Jesus. God's not in a rush. 33 years of obscurity for three years of public ministry. You know what blows my mind? Jesus standing in line at the grocery store. Jesus just, just walking around, people pushing him, bumping into him, excuse me, Jesus. And you're like, well, how do you know? Because the Bible tells us in John that John was having this gathering and he was baptizing people and Jesus showed up and nobody knew who he was. John said, there's one among us right now that I'm not able to tie his, shoe, his sandal straps. So people didn't recognize Jesus. 30 years of obscurity for three years of ministry. Can I tell you, God is not in a rush. If he wasn't in a rush with his son, he's not in a rush with you. So why don't you just let him work? Oh, because it's easy to say, you're working, right? Oh, God's working. He's working, except when he's actually working. And you're like, I don't like this, God. Lord, I don't know if I can keep going on with this. No, no, he's working. And can I tell you what he's working into? He's working faith into you. He's working courage into you. He's working boldness into you. He's working purity into you. He's working wholeness into you. He's working in today. He's calling us to far more. Oh, worship team, you can come up. He's calling us to far more faith. I'm not okay with the way things are. This is not how he designed me. I'm going to see things as they should be. I'm going to see them as they should be. I'll end with this today. I had a friend. His name was uh, Chris Devane, great young man. And... Uh, I don't know if you guys have these in, in Florida, but in, on the East Coast, I'm, I'm from Philadelphia originally. We have this place called Foreman Mills, okay? Stretch those bills at Foreman Mills, okay? And uh, that's where I used to go school shopping because uh, I could just, you know, the, my mom would give me $50. She's like, get whatever you want. You know, and I get t-shirts down to my knees. They look like dresses. And uh, it was cool, okay? It was cool. And I remember one time I went shopping uh, with, with Chris and his mom just randomly uh, after a practice. And... Uh, Chris's mom said, we're going to this place called Hollister. 
and I had never been there before. And I was like, black people don't wear that. I don't know what that is. You know, this is like when ripped jeans were starting to be cool again. I was like, my knees are ashy. I'm not showing them to nobody. You're crazy. You know, so um, I use cocoa butter. I'm not doing that to myself. You know what? Anyway, so um, his mom took me to, to Hollister and Foot Locker. And I'll never forget this. Chris's mom said, um, she said, Peter, get whatever you want. I said, whatever? She said, whatever. Whatever. And so we're shopping and Chris, Chris, Chris comes from a different family. He was just getting everything. But I went over and I, I found like a shirt I liked and I grabbed it. And I, I had it. She was like, that's everything you want? I was like, uh, okay, well, and I grabbed something else. And like Chris was just piling stuff in the car. He's like, mom, more. It's like, wow, this is different. But I grabbed the two items that I want because my mom taught me, like, first of all, my mom would have been mad I accepted the first gift, let alone two things. You know what I'm saying? My mom was like, what is wrong with you? I will ship you back to Africa. I'm like, I'm not even from Africa. So what are you talking about? Like some of you guys got put in timeout. My mom was like, here's a spear, you know, so. And I remember on, you know, what I really, what I really, like she took us to Hollister and Foot Locker. What I really wanted was a pair of shoes, but I wasn't going to ask Chris's mom for that. I know people are kind and they say, get whatever you want, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we went to Foot Locker, and I, I remember trying on this pair of shoes, and Chris's mom's like, get them if you want them. I was like, <laughs> my mom's a killer. She might raise me back to life because she's a Christian, but she's a killer, you know. <laughs> and I remember going home, you know, going home, and when I got home, I, Chris's mom normally just let me out the car, and I went in, and I was hiding the bag of clothes I got in my backpack because I'm smart, you know. <laughs> and Chris's mom came in, and in front of my mom, she handed me the pair of shoes that I tried on. And she looked at me, and she looked at my mom. She said, Grace, I'm going to take care of him. And Peter, when I say get whatever you want, I actually mean it. I'm not being kind. You are one of my boys. Get whatever you want. Stop for a minute. If God, if a woman like that, someone who wasn't even a Christian, she just took a liking to me, will stand me in a place and say, get whatever you want. How much more will God in heaven look at his children who he sent his son to die for, who he's lined up the entire earth, who he says the heavens are his footstool today. Can I tell you, he will get you whatever you need. He'll provide everything you need. He'll take care of you. And when he says, this is what you want, is this what you want? He'll get you what you want today. Can somebody give God a show in this place? Oh, far more today. Far more. I'm not going to believe just what I see. I'm going to believe what he says at Faith Assembly. And Orlando will never be the same because I decided to dream again. Because I decided to believe again. Because I decided to hope again. Somebody shout for the Lord today. On a first Wednesday, far be it from us to talk about how much God can do and not open up these altars today. Some of us have lost our wonder and we're praying the safest prayers we can so that we don't get disappointed by God. But let me tell you today, you don't have to defend him. He can defend himself. You just come put your faith on the line. 
you come dream again. You come wonder again. Or some of you might have to just make a paper airplane for you to come up and get to your holy imagination again. But he's called us to far more. And let us not be like the people who are not the ones that didn't know what he could do, but the ones who forgot. I don't want to be one of the ones that forgot. What do you want him to do today? You're not talking to God, the dictator. You're talking to Abba, Father. <laughs> and he is wonderful. And the scriptures are just filled with people who were wild enough to speak out the dream of God on their heart, to believe for more. Thank you, Jesus. Your marriage doesn't have to be like that, but you got to dream for it again. Your work situation doesn't have to be like that, but you've got to dream for it again. Your health doesn't have to be like that, but you've got to dream again. Some of us have been praying for so long, we just forgot God still heals people. We just kind of gave up. Well, I've been praying, and yeah, it's not happening. So this is Abba Father. He's the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.